Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Diverse Minds Podcast. And this week, I'm going to be talking about how to address your stress for National Stress Awareness Week, running from Monday the 4th to Friday the 8th of November, with the first Wednesday in November being dedicated to National Stress Awareness Day, and it's led by the International Stress Management Association. This year's theme is resilience, the power to succeed. But in order to understand resilience, we first need to talk about stress. Stress is widely spoken about and has become an integral part of Western working culture and society. So what is stress? How do we know when we are stressed? And what's the connection with mental health and mental ill health and stress? I always ask the questions in my training sessions. Do you think you wear stress as a badge of honour? And what do I mean by this? Well, the example I usually give is two people pass each other in the corridor. One says to the other, Hi, how are you? How was your holiday? Yeah, it was good, thanks. How was yours? Yeah, all right, but I've come back to 400 emails. I've come back to 500 emails. Okay, see you soon. Bye. Because often being stressed means we're busy. It means we're productive. It means we're valued. Well, the workplace and society might view it that way. But stress has very serious impacts on our body. It's actually incredibly physical. Often the body will speak the mind regarding stress. So we might feel aches and pains, we might have chronic headaches, we might have palpitations, we might feel really unwell. And we think it's a physical reaction, and of course it could be, but it often is a manifestation of the mental strain that is expressed in the body. Do you think it's easier to speak about stress than mental ill health? Well, most people I speak to say yes, as the thinking is that stress comes from an external source that stress can't be my problem, that stress is everywhere, that stress is events, incidents and things that are put upon us. Whereas mental ill health still seems to carry the stigma that many people think it's a problem with the person and with their brain. But as I always say, stress is the first rung on the ladder to potentially developing mental ill health if it goes on for a long period of time unsupported. It can make people more vulnerable to developing mental ill health or if people have experienced periods of mental ill health, it can trigger them to feel worse. Stress, of course, is a natural response, and a little bit of stress really enables us to look out for our surroundings, think about danger, and also perform effectively. When we feel in danger, whether that's physical or impending work dangers, like a tough meeting, or having to do something we don't want to, stress kicks in. But it's when this feeling that we all know lasts too long that it has a negative impact And it starts to really affect the way we work, our relationships and the way we interact with other people. Stress is also very common, so it's easy to brush under the carpet, with one in six British workers experiencing stress in any given year. And a UK-wide stress survey run by the Mental Health Foundation found that 74% of UK adults have felt so stressed at some point over the last year they felt overwhelmed or unable to cope. 81% of women said this compared to 67% of men, and 83% of 18 to 24-year-olds said this compared to 65% of people aged 55 or over. And I think that's interesting, so demographics will play a part. 
in how this all fits together and everyone's experience of stress will be slightly different. So stress is a huge issue and affects thousands upon thousands of people and it also costs a lot of time and money. So while we might be resistant to stress and be able to work quite well with a little bit of it, as it goes on, it actually has a detrimental effect. As I mentioned, stopping you living the life you want and it makes you physically ill. And I've seen people that I coach and also when I've, of course, when I go into sessions in big, large organisations, people are struggling with work-life balance, juggling children, elderly parents potentially, not being able to do what they want, rushing around, becoming ill, potentially having an accident and not being able to manage their situation or be that manager that they want to be. So in this episode for International Stress Awareness Day and Stress Awareness Week, I'm going to share my tips on how to address your stress and stop wearing stress as a badge of honour. And also, as the theme for this year is resilience, I've got a very special offer for all listeners on RAW. So RAW stands for Wellbeing Resilience at Work and is one of the first psychometric tools on resilience. And I'm offering all listeners 25% off until Wednesday the 12th of November. And there's more information in the show notes about this. But this will really help you address your stress and think about resilience, how to build it, what it is, and your particular resilience style. But back to my tips on how to stop wearing stress as a badge of honour. So one of the first things that I would suggest and something that I do every day is to keep a mood log. And I use an app called Dailyo. And simply what it is, is to monitor the the activities that you do and you put them into the app. You could use a notebook, you could use stickers, you could do whatever works for you. And how you're feeling at the end of the day. So you you log in all the things that you've done, the activities and how you're feeling at the end of the day. I normally do it at eight o'clock in the evening. And over time, you can see the th- things that make you feel positive and the things that trigger maybe a low mood, frustration, anger, irritability. Um, and it's just a nice light touch thing. Originally, mood monitoring was designed for individuals who experience bipolar, who have bipolar. But it's a really good tool for everyone to use. Um, so that was one of my first tips, because by identifying what our triggers are to knowing what makes us feel positive and what um, makes us feel less positive, we're able to then decide how we want to spend our time, which is one of the key things around stress. The second thing is to think about how you cope with your stress. So many of you all know I'm a big advocate and fan of the stress bucket model. And that's essentially when stress flows into your stress container. And if it's a small container, you might be more vulnerable to stress. And if it's a large container, you might be more resilient. More resilient. But of course, everyone has a tap. So if you turn the tap one way, it's positive coping strategies and the stress is relieved um, and completely leaves the bucket. But you turn the tap the other way, it's negative coping strategies. And even though you're trying to help yourself, um, ultimately these coping strategies are unhelpful. So the stress flows back into the bucket. So positive stress alleviators would be things like going for a walk, spending time with your pets, with your family doing a hobby, drawing, something creative. And unhelpful coping strategies are substance misusing, smoking, trying to work all hours, not taking a break. You get the picture. And I'm not judging unhelpful coping strategies. We all do it. But think about the positive and or helpful and unhelpful coping strategies you're using and how they impact on your levels of stress. So that's my second tip. So know your triggers, what triggers you when you are feeling stressed, what can help alleviate it helpfully what might alleviate it unhelpfully and how does that make you feel. The third thing is to think about where you feel stress in your body. 
So I mentioned that earlier on around the physicality of stress. So how do you know when you're stressed? What indicators does your body give you? Um, for me, it will be migraines, uh, pain across the shoulders, um, and I've been for acupuncture and it does help. But of course, the underlying trigger is what I really needed to address. And the other thing is to think about any behaviours that come on as a result of you feeling stress. And again, for me, it's I start to become very late for things and I'm not on time because I don't really want to leave the house. Therefore, I become late going to where I need to. Think about what yours might be. What's your body trying to tell you? And listen to that. So if you need to just have extra time in bed at the weekend, do you need to stretch? Do you need to just stop? Whatever it is, just listen to what your body's saying. The other thing is the word stress. So I've been using it and assuming that you all know what I mean, which probably I could have been more specific about. But as stress is so commonly used in our everyday society and thinking about what makes someone stressed, it's going to be different from person to person. So talk about how you feel and build on the other areas. So you know your triggers, you can take a step back, look at unhelpful and helpful coping strategies. But what is it that stress means to you? For, for some people, stress might be having a really tight work deadline. And for other people, this might push them into a really positive, productive space within their work. But for other people's deadlines are going to be stressful. So sharing your stress experience and what stresses you out can be a really helpful way of understanding what it is. My fifth tip is to access, and I go on about this all the time because it's so important and they're so underutilized, but is to access your employee assistance program or um, it might be through your occupational health, but most large organizations and even small to medium ones will have what's called, um, it might be called a staff helpline, um, assistance program, OC Health. It's a phone line that you call where you could talk to someone and book up to six sessions of free counseling um, almost immediately through your workplace. Now it is through the workplace, but it's completely confidential. And I think this is often the barrier as to why people don't access their EAPs, but it absolutely is. So an organisation will pay a particular sum of money for a batch of services, which normally includes guidance and information online. So your intranet, you might have a a sub-intranet site that you log into for some information sheets on wellbeing. The phone line um, is usually 24-7. So please have a look into this and access it. And um, at one organisation I worked in, they had a specific helpline for managers so again there's a plethora of support out there it's just knowing where and how to find it and of course accessing it my sixth tip is all around assertiveness and what I would call your assertiveness muscle and how to say no to things that are coming your way they're being put into your stress bucket potentially or on your desk or you know in your um, work van whatever it is and however you work um, or to say not yet So some people really struggle to say no, but what are the ways in which you can say not yet to manage your workload and potentially manage your stress levels? Um, Do you think you might need to go on a particular course or read some information about assertiveness? Because that is a really key way of managing your stress and not feeling that you have to say yes to everyone because we really can't be all things to all people. My seventh tip is about get as much sleep as you need. And this will vary from person to person. 
for myself, I need a lot of sleep. I need at least eight to nine hours. I'm not great. And um, there are people with specific genetics, and I'm guessing I might be one of them, that need more sleep than others. But get as much sleep as you need. And it's also about the quality of sleep. So think about your sleep hygiene. How do you get yourself ready for bed? Um, we all know that we shouldn't be on our phones at least an hour prior to going to bed because it affects how we sleep and our circadian rhythms. Um, do you make sure that your room's cool enough? So lots of tips. And I'll include my uh, a LinkedIn article that I've written about um, getting sleep in the show notes. Then the eighth thing is you might have accessed your EAP, got your counselling, but it's also not a bad idea to speak to your GP about how you're feeling if it carries on. So maybe you're using all the techniques and you're using things that have helped you in the past and it's not working. Well, please don't feel afraid to speak to your GP about how you're feeling if it carries on. Um, that's what they're there for. Book an appointment. And I would also suggest that you check Minds video, how to speak to your GP about your mental health. And there's also a really great guide from the Mental Health Foundation um, to help you with this. And then the ninth thing is you've done it before, so you know you can do it again. Resilience. Every culture will vary too, and our cultural frameworks will inform how we access help for stress. But resilience effectively is your bounce back ability and how we learn from the setbacks we may have experienced and how we want to go forward. Now, it's been used a lot in common parlance. You should just be resilience, 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 resilience. Now, resilience is not a sticking plaster for appalling behavior that you might have been at the end of. It's not a sticking plaster if you feel dreadful, if you've experienced bereavement, if you've experienced violence at home, and that's not what I'm saying. But it could be that things that are happening in the moment, if you're aware of them and you can try and think about what help you might need and what helped you in the past, that can absolutely build your resilience in the future. So I work with numerous businesses and clients and get them thinking about creating environments where stress isn't a badge of honour. I think we've seen as time's gone on, workplaces just get busier and busier and there doesn't seem to be any respite. But one thing I would say is to have a look at the health and safety executive standards. And a lot of workplaces are using this now, and I'm so happy about this, as a framework for their stress risk assessments. So risk assessments shouldn't just be about the physical environment, but also about the psychological and stress risks that we might be placing on our staff and ourselves. And by think, looking at things like how are we're supported in our role, how change is managed, how much autonomy we have over our role, this can really help minimise a stress culture and maximise a well-being culture. So I hope that's been a really useful podcast for you. I've really enjoyed putting these together. Um, and I've, you know, stress is one of the things that organisations talk about a lot. And I feel that sometimes it's starting to change. Um, don't forget that you can, if you found this helpful, there's more information on the Mentally Healthy Leader course, um, and that will be starting up again in the new year. It's an online course, four weeks to creating an ideal work-life balance for you, and there are lots of resources in the show notes. And if you want a reminder of any of these, you can also sign up to my one-a-day tips to address your stress. You get an email in your inbox just to remind you of what we've spoken about. Um, and you can also keep these and share these. So all the information is in the show notes. Um, and we know that we might not be able to remove all our stresses, but it is about ensuring that we don't ignore how we're feeling and we decide which steps we want to take to address it. And I'm offering 25% off the Wellbeing and Resilience at Work psychometric tool. So please book in using my Calendly link to discover your resilience signature 
and I really hope to see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast, where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.